Good morning. I thought it was funny this week. Oh, thank you. Hi. I thought it was funny this week. I was out in the foyer talking to people, and the door started to close. And I thought, you know, I bet they want me inside there. Uh, so uh, welcome to Chapel on the Pines. Uh, very excited to have you all here. Uh, especially those of you that are new, maybe it's your first time or first time joining us online. Uh, what, what just a wonderful time together and a great time of year, too. I, I don't know about you all, but I love uh, when the weather gets a little cooler, uh, a little crisp outside. I don't know how it is right now. When I got here, it was feeling a little crisp. Is it warm now? Ah, oh well. <laughs> uh, very nice, but again, welcome to chapel. We just have a few announcements uh, as we get going here. One is that at, after the uh, singing time of worship, we'll have children's church. You'll see uh, several children run off towards the stairs in the back. If you have little ones too, they're very welcome to join. Uh, if they do not want to join, they are certainly not you know, required to or something like that. Um, they are welcome to stay. They are welcome to go and have their own time. Uh, either one is completely fine. In just a couple weeks, October, it's two weeks long, October 31st and November 7th are both Sundays. And after worship, we're going to have a membership class. Uh, if you're interested in that, um, we have 10 people currently signed up, which is a wonderful number. Uh, that's very exciting. Our, our very first week, uh, we had a bunch of people sign up for that. So again, that is October 31st and November 7th, right after worship, 11.30 to 1, and we'll do kind of a light lunch, and that'll be just downstairs. So those weeks, uh, if, you're, if you're signed up, if you're part of that, uh, you'll go downstairs uh, into our space there and do that. And I like to say that that membership at, at our church here is not just about um, voting at church business meetings. I know that's really exciting uh, to you all. I know a lot of you are like, that's, that's why I do it. I love to vote at meetings. Uh, I love to go to meetings. Uh, this, is, this is something that I'm missing in my life uh, and I want more of. So if that's not you, if you're like, maybe that's not the best sales pitch, um, what, how, this is how I view membership. Membership is this opportunity to say, not only uh, am I already a follower of Christ, that's already something uh, that, is, that is part of who I am, but I want to do that journey with other believers. I, I don't want to do that alone. I don't want to do that in isolation. I don't want to uh, just try to follow God, ju just me and God, but I realize there's some part of this that's supposed to be done in community, that's supposed to be done with others. So if that's you and, and you want your others, you want the other people that you're doing this journey with to be the people of Chapel on the Pines, that's, that's really what membership is about. It's about saying, I'm, I'm already a follower of Christ, but now I want to do that journey with these people uh, in this particular place, in this particular time. Uh, it doesn't mean it has to be you know, some lifelong commitment. Some people say that. They're like, well, I'm only... Uh, I might only live in town here for five years. Should I still be a member? I, I say go ahead. <laughs> uh, there, there's no issue of um, kind of thinking, oh, I might be temporary uh, living up in Arnold. Should I uh, go through with this? The question is, are you a believer? And do you want to make a commitment that says, I'm going to do this journey with these other people, uh, with this community? So if that is you, uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the foyer. Again, that's two Sundays, uh, 
it's like a part one and part two thing, so you go to both. Um, and it is October uh, 31st and November 7th, so in just a few weeks. Also in a few weeks uh, is Halloween. It's on a Sunday, so Saturday night of Halloween, we're doing trunk or treat in the church parking lot. This is, this is a big thing. If you weren't there last year, you don't know how many people come, but we're able to send flyers home with Hazel Fisher Elementary to all the kids. Uh, so there's many, many children that come. And if you just think about having kids in Arnold uh, or this area, it's really hard to go door to door. Uh, I don't know about your neighborhood, but mine's pretty dark at night. Um, three quarters of the houses are cabins and people might not be there. Um, so unless you kind of just go over to grandma's house or something, there's not a whole lot you can do. So this is a wonderful uh, opportunity for the people of our community, opportunity to love them. I've, I've seen that there's 12 uh, people who have signed up or cars that have signed up to kind of decorate their car and hand out candy. Uh, if you want to add to that number, that would be wonderful. That's, again, in the foyer also. Uh, and then alongside that or in partnership with that, uh, we're doing a clothing drive uh, along with another of, number of other organizations for children at Hazel Fisher Elementary that uh, just need, need some more clothes, need some more clean clothes. Uh, and the school actually hands those out. Uh, to kids. So there's, uh, there's a bin in the foyer. It goes in the church office during the week, and anything brought into that, they just ask that it be new and that it be just appropriate for elementary school age kids, so whatever sizes uh, that would work for. Uh, you bring that in, and then we can uh, give that to, to the school to hand out to children. So that just seems um, like a win-win to me. It's a wonderful way to bless them, uh, and a wonderful way also to be giving, to be this, this kind of church, these kind of people uh, in this community. Three more things. Uh, we have on November 11th uh, an event here. It's right in the sanctuary. It's called This Marriage Thing. Um, and it is for married couples or soon-to-be married couples who want to get together. We have uh, a meal, and then there's a presentation. We just kind of talk about marriage, but we talk about it um, not from a place of idealism and not from a place of saying marriage is terrible, but from this place somewhere in between where it's just honest. And, and we say marriage can be hard, but marriage can be a blessing. And uh, let's just, again, do some of that together. So uh, again, that's November 11th, 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, because of the meal, there is a cost. So if you prepay for that, uh, that helps a lot. That allows us to go buy food. Uh, ahead of time uh, with that. So then it would be $20 per couple. Uh, and if you just need to pay at the door, that's also fine, but we've just upped it to $25 uh, at the door. That way we can go actually purchase the food uh, ahead of time. And I do want you to know that child care is provided at that. So uh, if you got little, little ones, uh, there's child care at that. We are in need of a handyman kind of person here at church to volunteer some. So if you're the kind of person who does a lot of your own work around your own house, um, it doesn't need to be some amazing thing, but if you're the kind of person that does uh, a lot of the fixing around your own house, we have those kind of needs uh, here at chapel. We have this whole laundry list. Uh, we would love to have a volunteer that we could hand some of those things off to and, and have them just kind of knock out one thing after another. So if that's a way that you would love to serve, it's a great like behind the scenes thing. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to come up on stage uh, and be up here, but it means that you can serve. So if that's you, um, please be, I don't know, should I tell him to look for Bob? Bob's right there. 
Bob, why don't you wave for him? Bob just nodded instead of waving. <laughs> he's sitting right in the middle. He's got a purple shirt on. Find him. <laughs> uh, he would love uh, to, to connect you with that, uh, and that's through our uh, property and grounds uh, team. The last thing uh, for this morning is that a few times a year, uh, two to three times a year, we like to do what we call a hymn sing Sunday. Uh, and what this is, uh, we don't tell you ahead of time, it's today. Uh, what this means is that all of the songs today, as we go through them, you're going to realize that uh, if you grew up in the church, these are some songs that you kind of have known uh, growing up. And, and the reason is we like to sing some of these older songs is, is that we don't do it every week. You know, we kind of have a, a blended style of worship, and, and we like that. But there's also a certain uh, group at our church that we love and that we cherish, that these songs are powerful to, that these songs are important to. So uh, these songs are also difficult. <laughs> so if you're not musically inclined, you may not realize it. These songs are hard. So uh, this is a, a blessing from the worship team. It, it goes, of course, to worship God, but it also should be felt like I love you. Uh, to those of you that these songs are important to. So this is uh, a gift from the worship team to you if, if these songs connect with you well. Um, and again, yeah, we just, we just want you to know that you are loved here, that you're cherished here, that we appreciate you, that we realize that sometimes in blended music, it, it's not exactly what uh, you would pick if you were customizing your own church. Uh, but that's where we normally sit. So uh, this is a blessing to you. This is an offering to you. Why don't we pray? Lord God, we thank you for this time together. We thank you um, that we can come here, that we can uh, lift your name high, Lord. Um, I thank you that we don't have to invite your Holy Spirit here, that your Holy Spirit is already here. Your Holy Spirit is active in this place. Your Holy Spirit uh, is powerful in this place. And Lord, would you open us up to hear from you today? Uh, you are in our midst, Lord. We don't gather alone, but you are here. So, so would you open us up to hear from you? In Jesus' name, amen. In this, um, oh, now you can hear me. <laughs> Do I need to start over? <laughs> no. Vicki uh, um, asked if she could share some special words about um, Pastor John. This is Pastor Appreciation Month, and I just appreciated her, her heart because she wanted to share. So thank you. Because it's scary up here. <laughs> Try not to make it too scary. Thank you, Jimeline. Um, it is scary up here. Um, okay, so this is uh, Pastor Appreciation Month, and um, something came to my mind that really I, I pre appreciate very much about Pastor John, but then it just kind of expanded <laughs> as I started to think about more. So um, uh, Paul tells us in, in, in scriptures that our pastors must um, be about preaching and um, praying, and I just really appreciate Pastor John in in his preaching 
so many times uh, he has just hit the nail on the head for me and uh, gave me things to really to think about. I loved the series that we did about anxiety, you know, back when it was really appropriate. <laughs> and um, the Jonah one, and when I see what we're gonna do now, I'm like really excited. So, and I know he's really much about, so much about praying too. He stresses that in our services. And I know on Wednesday, he is, he's so faithful in bringing that time um, together for people to pray um, with him. And, but the second thing, um, the second greatest commandment is that we love our neighbors as ourselves. And uh, Chapel has always had a wonderful history of serving our community um, with uh, the DeWooders and the food b uh, bank closet and um, our partnership with Hazel Fisher has been going on for a while. Um, and those are physical needs. We are, our, our community needs their physical needs met, but they need their spiritual and emotional needs met too. And that's where I really am grateful to Pastor John and his family for setting an example for us and encouraging us, um, first of all, to pray, you know, house by house in our neighborhoods and putting together that map out there that shows that we're praying. Um, beating the spiritual needs of our communities, part of loving our neighbor. And I just feel like that's been an incredible thing for us to do and to think about. Um, some of the other th ways I see that he has um, blessed our communities um, spiritually is um, uh, using this church for memorial services uh, for uh, people in the last year, especially, um, who were not members of this church were from another church, but that church wasn't big enough to do the memorial service in. So Pastor John and, you know, the people that are always here helping out, I just think about Cecile and Scott when he was here, um, were here for those services, and that meant a really a lot to me, especially because two of those people were very p dear people in my heart. Um, Housing, housing youth groups is another thing. Uh, Deanna brought this to my mind. Um, that um, last Sunday, I was, or it was a couple Sundays ago, some youth, and I don't know if you realized it, but some youth were staying here at chapel because they run a special little retreat uh, for their senior year in their youth group. So there was, those are all wonderful things as far as um, uh, meeting the needs of our community emotionally and spiritually. And um, I just... The other thing, housing, letting PG&E be out in the parking lot when we had our power turned off. I mean, that's big to me. I, I'm not so, so much big to me because I live in Sheep Ranch and we have a generator. But for people up here, certainly, you know, it really, it really, and I'm, and I'm speaking to you, Susan, and you boys, too, because you set a wonderful example in how you prayed for your neighborhood. So I appreciate you all, too. Um, the last thing I want to say is, that um, I have, there's a quote, <laughs> and maybe other pastors say it, I don't know, or maybe other spiritual people say it, but I love it when Pastor John says, um, you have a savior and I'm not him. And he said that when he first started here, and that really endeared me to him. And um, he points us to Jesus. He points us to Jesus, not to himself, but to Jesus. And then I think it was just last week, he said that again, and it was a nice reminder. And I will always keep that in my mind. So thank you very much, Pastor and, and Susan and family. Nicely done.
Thank you, Vicki. If you'll go ahead and stand this morning and greet somebody near you. If you'll remain standing as we start our time together.
must keep me from a wrong.
stuff about the playing the hymns is I'm reminded and maybe you too just of of what I grew up singing and it's been funny to talk to Pastor John about the differences in the songs we know he disappeared and I can't see him <laughs> but anyway just the differences and um, like do you know this song no well do you know this song uh, no, I don't know that song. Um, so
So it's been pretty fun to finally actually come together and say, hey, we know these songs. <laughs> we both know these songs. So I hope you're enjoying them, mistakes and all. But we truly just um, have learned so many new songs that I'm actually excited to, to put some of these back into our worship. Today's verse comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I have preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. 
Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The word of the Lord. Lord God, we thank you for this time and for this beautiful worship and uh, just this opportunity to be together and to meditate on your word and to look to scripture. Uh, Lord, we give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, as Jimeline said, we, we love looking through some of those songs. And uh, uh, those of you who've been here, at least as long as I have, uh, probably know, but I grew up in a, a Lutheran church in Minnesota. And it's interesting to see what songs uh, I grew up with and which ones you did and which ones, you know, we both did. Uh, I joke that you have different songs in California, I guess, even back then. Uh, <laughs> so these are, some of them are Californian uh, songs. No, but it, it is kind of interesting, actually, to, to look at. Uh, oh, we sung this one a lot. I've never heard of it. And we were wrote, you know. <laughs> um, this week and, and next week, uh, we're going to do a, a short teaching series on the Apostles' Creed, um, and I'll get into that a whole lot more, but, but again, just when I was growing up, uh, I was at this kind of church that would, that would do the Apostles' Creed quite a bit from up front, and, and we'll actually do it later, I'll warn you now. Uh, we're actually going to say it together, so, so I know you're not used to talking in the pews, so get ready. Uh, but we would, do, we would do it a lot. We would at least, at least once a month. I think it was more than that. Uh, but I can't remember a single time when it was actually explained or, or when it was actually walked through. There was, there was some kind of discussion of when was this written. Uh, uh, it doesn't take a ton to be able to, to read the New Testament and realize these exact words uh, are not here. It's not like the Apostles' Creed is, Creed is, is quoting First John or you know, something like that. Like the, the concepts are there. Uh, but where does this come from? When, when did this enter into the church? And this, this is actually an ancient uh, creed, an ancient uh, saying of the church, but, but where does it come from? So that's going to be uh, kind of the major focus today, less of the theology that's in the creed. We'll save that for next week. And this is more of kind of history and, and usage in the church, and, and where does this come from, and how do we get it? So um, I think that's important because, like I said, in my church growing up, we said it a lot but it didn't mean a whole lot to me. You know, it, it didn't sit uh, deep with me. It was something that, that my mouth was, was saying, but, but I didn't really know what these words meant. So uh, it just seems fair that as we enter into a topic like this, that, that we do so um, with a little more intentionality, a little more saying, you know, what, what are these words? Why are these important? What, uh, what is going on here? So uh, as I warned, I, I have a PowerPoint. And we're going to go through the Apostles' Creed. So, Tyler, if you want to just hit the next slide there. Uh, I'm sure you can't read that, so I zoomed in. But I did want you to see uh, that this is the whole thing. So it kind of has three uh, headings. Uh, God the Father, 
God the Son, and, and God the Holy Spirit, and then it kind of breaks down different things in each one. So we're going to read it together, but, but why don't you click to the next one so they can actually see it, and I can see it on the screen in the back. Uh, let's say these words together, starting in the orange there. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. So these are the words of the Apostles' Creed. This is what we will be talking about uh, this week and next week. Um, but before we get into it too much, uh, I, li I like to look at some of these things and say, what's confusing? And I think sometimes this word creed can be a little confusing. This is not uh, Apollo Creed, as, as somebody asked me earlier. Uh, this is not the Clearwater Revival kind of uh, creed. Um, it's not the Nicene Creed. That's a different one. Maybe you know that one. It has a whole lot more about Jesus. Uh, but what is a creed? So a creed is a formal statement of what somebody believes. Uh, really, that's all it comes down to. So it's, it's a formal statement about what a person believes. And, and it can kind of be a couple different kinds. It can be in that person's own words. Uh, that, that's appropriate. It's, it's a little bit like giving, um, you know, at a wedding, when, when somebody writes their own vows, uh, that can be fine, that can be appropriate, but it also can be fine to use something like the Apostles' Creed, which may be somebody else's words, but because uh, it has been said for so many years, it sits uh, at kind of a different depth sometimes. So again, like almost like wedding vows. Uh, it can be very nice in its own way to use your own words. It can be very nice to use kind of tried and true uh, words that people have used uh, for many years. So that's, uh, that's kind of what a creed is. And, and the Apostles' Creed in particular is one such statement. So it's a statement of faith um, and has been used by many, many Christians through many, many centuries of history in many different times and many locations, and it just basically summarizes the core of Christian doctrine. What, what does it mean to believe? Or what does it mean to, uh, to be a Christian? And it's not um, this statement that is only used by a small segment of the church. I, I think sometimes, uh, especially as Protestants, as people that, that are in the church but we're not necessarily Catholic, uh, it, it can sound a little Catholic to us, if we're just being frank, uh, whether you grew up in that tradition or not. You can kind of read it and be like, eh, but we don't really say that in my church. You know, what, what does that mean? But uh, this is actually kind of signed on, if you will. It, it's, it's brought in to the vast majority of Christian denominations and non-denominational churches. There's always exceptions, so I won't say all, but uh, the vast, vast majority of churches kind of sign off, if you will, on the Apostles' Creed, that this is 
uh, something that we hold to. Um, and in that sense, it is both wide and it is deep. And what I mean by wide is that it reaches out to many people, that, that it's a broad statement in the church. It's a unifying statement in its broadness, that, that it's something that we can kind of agree upon. Uh, and it is deep in that it reaches far back into history. Um, this is not something that someone wrote um, couple hundred years ago. Uh, this reaches far, far back. So uh, the rest of today, I'm kind of looking at these four questions. So the questions are, number one, how old is it? I think that's important to look at. Number two, where does it come from? Uh, if it's not explicitly in the New Testament, where do we get these words? Where does this come from? What, why does it exist in the first place? And, and the fourth one, uh, what does the Apostles' Creed contain? So that first question, how old is this uh, creed? How old is this, this statement of faith? And it actually dates back to a number of these kind of creedal uh, affirmations, if you will. Those are nice church words. Uh, these creedal affirmations that date back uh, to about 200 A.D. So you're talking very early in the church's history, but... But the title, the Apostles' Creed, um, is, is interesting. It's actually the Apostles' Faith that we're saying, and I'll get into that a little bit, but there's some stories of where it came from that, that kind of tie into the Apostles themselves, maybe, maybe penning some of it, and that has been kind of uh, disputed by church historians. It's, it's probably just not where it came from, but it is their faith that is being brought forth. So it is still the Apostles' Creed, and that is what they taught. And the Apostles are, uh, again, just a word for the disciples of Jesus. So the actual disciples of Christ that, that followed him, uh, those apostles. So uh, this was written, like I said, about 200 A.D. Uh, if you don't know your early church history, uh, I will update you on what is going on. I know you're all wonderful early church historians. But if it's a little fuzzy to you, uh, this is a time of great division in the church. The church is splitting over all sorts of different uh, theological beliefs. They're splitting over cultural differences. They've spread quite a bit in the Mediterranean world, their known world of the day, but, but it's crossed a lot of cultures. It's crossed a lot of uh, different environments, and in that, it's, it's kind of started to mix some with some of these cultures, and, and uh, fragmentation uh, is happening. It's also a time of persecution for a lot of Christians. So they're in the Roman Empire, but this is not a time where the empire uh, is being kind uh, to them as this obscure sect that they view as kind of these, uh, these Jewish people that aren't really Jewish, and they're just kind of causing this trouble. So there's, there's this time of persecution, so there's a lot of pressure from the outside. But it's also this time where a lot of different groups in the church uh, start to kind of mix Christian theology with, with other thought of the day. So we start to see a lot of things like, like here's the Christian core beliefs, but here's what Plato taught in, in Greek philosophy, and then we're kind of starting to mix them together in a way that, that is kind of being untrue to the Christian doctrine, but, but in a way that that is fitting with them, and, and maybe they're tempted to go in that direction. So there's a lot of 
uh, division there. And this is before the Roman Emperor Constantine. And if you know anything about Constantine, he kind of uh, Christianized, if you will, the Roman Empire. So the Roman Empire is not uh, Christian, so to speak. Um, an empire can't be Christian. Side note, uh, only humans can. But uh, the Roman Empire is uh, not uh, following that. So uh, it's in this time of pressure that church leaders uh, have gathered and they make some of these statements. So uh, this one in particular, where does it come from? As I mentioned earlier, it's, a, it's important to talk about where it doesn't come from, I think. It doesn't come from this early legend of the church. We're almost certainly, uh, certainly certain, we're almost certainly certain it does not come from this, but here's the story, and it's a good story. Uh, it goes that the apostles, the disciples of Jesus, sometime after Pentecost, so we're in the book of Acts here, sometime after Pentecost, but before they spread out in their mission, gather together in a room. Again, this is most certainly not true, <laughs> but they gather together in a room, and they think, before we go, we should write down the core of what we believe. And then as the story goes, the Holy Spirit comes upon them, and, and there's one piece of paper, and there's one uh, writing instrument, and they each write one line of the Apostles' Creed, and then they pass it to the next one, and they write one line. Pass it to the next one, and write one line. Uh, it sounds almost like fairy tale-ish. It comes from um, somewhere around 400, year 400, uh, and then remains as a story in the church for about 1,000 years. Um, but it's actually a misunderstanding of what it means to be the Apostles' Creed. So the, the misunderstanding was that if it's the Apostles, the Apostles had to write it down. But the reason it was given that title in the first place is because it was their teaching that was being written down, not because it was them uh, themselves. So the real history of the Apostles' Creed, before you quote me on this other one, <laughs> the real history is this, that it comes from the early church in the city of Rome, which we know the church in Rome, right? The book of Romans in the New Testament is written to them. There's an early church in Rome, and uh, that is the church whose bishop, at least in the West, would eventually become the leader of all the bishops and would eventually become the pope. So it makes sense that the early church in Rome would have some, some sway uh, over others, and it comes from that group, and it's actually this uh, baptismal creed. So they were having a lot of new converts into Christianity, but, but again, this time of division, and they were a little worried that, that these people kind of believed the right things before they came in. So how it would work is if you were going to be baptized uh, as a believer, you would be given a mentor-like figure in the church, and for a year, you would study what you believe, and you would study the, the early writings of the church. Um, and again, about year 200. And after a year, uh, you would come before uh, you're ready to be baptized, and this was, the Apostles' Creed is what would be said to you. So how it would work is they would say, do you believe in God, the Father Almighty? And you would repeat the words of the Apostles' Creed. And then they would say, do you believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord? And you would repeat those words. Uh, but it's from this early church in Rome. Uh, but this is really, really early. <laughs> like, I don't, know if we're, I don't know if you realize that. Like, 280, that, there's, 
That's really early for the church. This is a, this is a unifying thing. This is uh, past the time of the disciples themselves, but not by a lot. Uh, so it's very, very early. Um, and a number of different early churches had these kind of creeds. And they all basically said the same thing. You can see some of them. You can look them up. Uh, Google is wonderful. Uh, and you can look them up, but they all kind of say the same thing. And the reason it be, this one became the one that we say uh, through this long series of history is because the church in Rome became so important. Uh, so as the church in Rome, at least in the West, uh, was important, then the Apostles' Creed uh, spread through the, the Roman Empire, eventually spread into, into all of Europe and, uh, and further. Maybe not as exciting as the first story, uh, but there's, there's something important there, right? I mean, there's something uh, really, I think, intentional about a church that, that both wants to be unified, but they want to be unified on the right things. They don't want to be unified for the sake of unity. They want to be unified in, in their theology that is holding up the teachings of the New Testament. Because again, the Apostles' Creed is, uh, you can go through and, and you could just write down what Bible verses it's referencing. It's not like this isn't biblical, so to speak. Every part of it is very, very biblical. And what they're teaching against is things that aren't, is things that weren't biblical, the ways of viewing Jesus, ways of, of saying, uh, and this is in Greek philosophy kind of mixing that, that might say Jesus is uh, certainly God, but he wasn't really fully human. That was an early teaching going on. That he might have looked like human, uh, to humans, but, but because they viewed, in Greek philosophy, they, they viewed bodies in, in our world as kind of icky, as kind of bad, as, as, as this evil thing that certainly Jesus couldn't have bled. You know, well, Jesus did bleed. <laughs> they say certainly Jesus couldn't have actually had emotions. Well, we read in the New Testament that Jesus did have emotions. Jesus did uh, weep, and he had joy and he lived a fully human life and was fully God at the same time. So uh, that's, again, where some of these creeds uh, find themselves. Now, what's interesting is that there are some places in the New Testament where we're not certain, but we think that there's some creeds. Again, these statements of faith. And by, by this, I'm just meaning broadly that that the authors in the New Testament were writing something that the people they were writing to probably already knew. So, uh, example, Philippians 2, verses 6 through 11. Um, very interesting, in, in my Bible right here, it actually sets it apart, it makes it, it's poetry in the midst of Paul's writing, and he writes in a very wonderful, uh, scholarly Greek kind of way, uh, not to bore you too much, but but beautiful scholarly Greek, which to us looks like run-on sentences. Uh, it's true. I mean, just read it. It's, like, it's not good English. It's wonderful Greek. All right? Uh, and then we get to verse 6, and it's like this entrance of this poem. And right before it, he says, uh, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And then verse 6, uh, he goes into almost this poetic way of speaking says, who being the, in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. 
Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. And then it goes back into this other form of writing. Um, all that to say is that it seems very uh, possible here that we could have an early creed of the church. Something that Paul is writing, not that it's new information, but he's reminding them of something they've been saying all along. He's reminding them of something that they've been saying in their churches that has been kind of a unifying thing, that this is a way that they describe Jesus. In the same way that if I was up here and I would just start saying, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, you, most of you probably know what I'm saying, right? I'm quoting something. I'm quoting the song Amazing Grace. I'm quoting a song that is very popular, that, that you know the words to, but, but maybe it would be beneficial for me to say, and it's not necessarily wrong for me to not say, this is from Amazing Grace, and then saying it because my audience knows uh, what I'm saying. And not to belabor, belabor, is that the word? Did I say it right? Oh. It's sometimes weird when you're standing up here. Not to belabor the point, but, you know, if you just looked at a transcript of my whole sermon, you'd be like, that's the only time you use the word wretch. <laughs> that's, that stands out. That's kind of odd that he said that in that one sentence, and it would be because I was quoting something, right? So we may have this in the New Testament here. So why... Does this creed exist? As I said, it's an early baptismal creed. It's a unifying statement. It's a statement that draws them together. Um, but yet it answers simple questions that, that were important to answer. It answers who is God. It answers the question, who is Jesus? It answers who is the Holy Spirit and who is the church and what is salvation and what are kind of the cores of of, of this belief that we have. So then my final question is, why does it matter? Why, why bring it up in church uh, right now? Why, why talk about it still? It, it's this ancient thing, it's this old thing, but you know, we can come up with our own words. Can we? We can come up with our own ways of saying who God is and who Jesus is. Um, and, and maybe you think, I've heard this, maybe you think, I don't need the Apostles' Creed, because I have the Bible. Well, I would say that's true. It's true. You don't need the Apostles' Creed because you do have the Bible. You have the New Testament. You actually have it written in your own language, which is wonderful. Um, that is not, that's, a, that's a blessing uh, in church history. Um, I think it's important to recognize that. This is a blessing that we have, uh, this entire New Testament, this entire Bible in the language that we speak. Um, and, and it's important also to realize that at some point, you have to explain what the Bible is saying. That it's great to, to have it all, that's wonderful, but if you don't fully understand it, if you don't fully read it, what, what are you going to say if somebody comes up to you and says, would you just summarize for me what Christianity is all about? And you're going to start thumbing through the Bible. <laughs> Right? I mean, you can get there. 
you, you could do it. It might take enough time. You could come up with some kind of statement of summarizing it, but I think it's also important to realize that, that there's value in this tried and true statement of the church that many, many people through many, many years of history have, have looked to and said, this is true. This is a good and reliable summary, and it has been one that other people have leaned on. And, and I know we love to be super independent. Uh, maybe I'm just preaching to myself. I love to have this relationship of just me and God or just me and Jesus, and it's just like it's this one-on-one thing. But there's something about these kind of creeds, these kind of statements that tie us to Christian history, that tie us to people that have come long before us and, and hopefully will be here long after us. And it ties us as, as one body in Christ, one uh, group of Christians that are following him, that are worshiping him. Another reason is, is as, as I said before, this document was written to solidify a church that was beginning to fragment. It was written because the church was, was splitting over all of these issues, and it was splitting to the point where many, many, many of the churches stopped talking to each other. They stopped doing things with each other. They started looking at each other as the opposition. They started looking at each other as, as uh, sort of the evil ones, if you will, because they believed something that, w- that was different. So they broke community, and, and they broke being one church. And we're not isolated from that. That didn't stop. <laughs> that didn't stop there. Um, you know, I would say most people, as they drive up Highway 4, and they look left and they look right as they drive, they see a lot of churches. There's a lot of churches. But there's a different mindset that says we see one church. That there's one church that follows God. They meet at different locations. Their worship styles might look different. There might be uh, different pastors or different uh, leaders in the churches, but there is one church of Jesus Christ. Uh, and that's what Jesus prays himself. Did you know that Jesus prayed for you directly? I love this verse in the New Testament. A lot of times we think of Jesus as praying for people that lived a long time ago, but, but listen to this. This is John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. Jesus prays for all believers uh, right here and for you and me. But notice what he prays, and notice what, uh, how he prays here. He says this, My prayer is not for them alone, meaning his disciples, meaning the apostles. My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and me. Right? Through the message and... In the New Testament, through the message of, of Christian witness, we have come to believe in who God is. So Jesus is praying for us. Uh, so he, I pray not just for them alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their message. And here's what he prays. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them, and you in me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. And then this last sentence answers the question, why? Why is Jesus praying that the church would be one, that the church would have unity? The very last sentence. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So so why do we recite things like the Apostles' Creed? Why is it worth uh, giving a couple Sundays uh, in church this year to looking at this document that uh, is not just quoting a a text from the New Testament. The the reason is uh, these quotes, that all of them may be one, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Why? Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them. It's for the sake of reaching out. It's for the sake of evangelism. It's for the sake of showing people who Jesus is, to reaching out into a hurting world, a world that was full of pain, a world that was full of, of, of hurt and, uh, and difficulty, that Jesus prayed that the church would be one. Now, to play devil's advocate a little bit, and this is kind of an, an odd thing, so stick with me. If you were the liar, if you were the deceiver, if you were the evil one, and you wanted to make sure that the church did not complete its mission. Now remember, Jesus has already died on the cross at this point. He's already been resurrected. The, the victory has been won. The battle has been won. If you were the evil one, how would you make sure he doesn't do it? How would you make sure that the church remains ineffective? How would you make sure that the church remains inward-focused, focused on just themselves, certainly not reaching out, certainly not showing others the love of Christ? And I think the answer is simple. Divide them. Turn them against each other. Make them fight about these issues that are not about salvation. Make them fight so often that they forget that the battle is not against each other. Make them fight so violently that the world looks at them and says, I want nothing to do with that. And in the midst of that, we we receive Jesus' words. So I'll end with this. I will read it for you once again. His prayer for you. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one, Father. Just as you are in me and I am in you. That they may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, 
that they may be one as we are one. I and them, and you and me. So that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Lord God, we thank you for this word, we thank you that, that we can come before you, but Lord, we pray for unity uh, in the church and, and even in our own uh, small little corner of the world. We pray that you would bring uh, our churches close together, the churches uh, right here in this mountain. Not, not just because it would be nice, not just because it would be nice to, to do some things together, but so that the world may know who you are, that the world may see your love, that the world will, will see a church that is not divided over, over many things, uh, but that the world will see uh, the love that you have for them. Lord, we surrender ourselves to you. We, we come before you humbly. We repent of ways that that we have not lived this out in our own lives. We repent of ways that we have not lived this out as, as a church uh, here at Chapel in the Pines. We, we come before you knowing uh, that you are quick to forgive, uh, that you are quick to walk alongside your children, that you are quick uh, to love us, Lord. So we come before you and uh, we pray that we would, uh, in any ways that, that are causing division, that we would uh, seek unity, Lord. Uh, Lord, we give uh, this time to you, and, and as we move to the next part of this service, Lord, we pray that you would bless this offering uh, that we are about to give, that this would also be just, just another extension of worship. That sometimes we worship in, in speech, sometimes we worship in song, and, and other times we worship in, in giving, Lord. So uh, would you accept this offering from our hearts? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As the, the plate is being passed, I want to share a, a little story with you and then a funny story. So I grew up playing the piano. It was part of what I did. I wanted to do it, but I had a teacher who left a, a Kleenex box right here. It was for me <laughs> because I struggled so desperately to be so perfect and and hit each addition each and every note because um it was it was what she wanted and uh it was hard for me and I cried almost every lesson <laughs> it's horrible I actually learned my sister did too I didn't know that we could have like totally you know given each other grace but um I have learned through the years um and I was a classic pianist, so I played classical music, way different. And um, I've learned through the years, oh my goodness, my, my Savior, my God, he offers such grace. Why can I not do that for myself? And so as an adult, a much older adult, I learned to play a different style of music, which has been lovely and fun. And I, the perfectionist in me has, um, I, it's offered me grace. To just do this and enjoy. But in, in my nervousness earlier, <laughs> this is the funny part, ha ha. 
in my nervousness, I played all five songs for the service. You didn't even notice, did you? You didn't probably notice. I played all the music all in a row. We don't have a last song. <laughs> but I joke. I joke because I literally didn't realize when I moved my music, I moved it in a different order. <laughs> and I, I walked down. I was like, I think I just played the last song. And they so graciously did it with me. And it was amazing. I sat down. I was like, something's not right. And they're like, well, you played the last song. <laughs> so, so we would like you to stand. And we just really love, we've gotten to just really love the closer walk, just a closer walk with thee. We'd like to sing that again with you. <laughs> Loud and clear, so I can hear it, right?
Here's your assignment for this week, if you choose to accept it. Uh, <laughs> uh, it is this. I, I would like you to uh, just pay attention to what other churches are in our area. Uh, maybe, maybe you'll take a quick search. Maybe you just know off the top of your head. Maybe you're a longtime Arnold person. But, but I want you to think through that. I want you to write them down. And I want you to pray for them in this week. Uh, because we are one church. There's not some competition. Um, this, other churches are, are in no way our opposition. They're our teammates. Uh, so, so why don't we pray for them uh, in this week ahead? And pray for our church too. Don't leave ours out. Uh, pray for ours, but don't pray for it alone. Uh, pray for those around us. We have uh, Ken and Sherry from our prayer team up front. They would love to pray with you. After the service, please take advantage of that. Uh, it is a wonderful time, and I'm so glad that that's offered uh, after each service here. And one last thing, uh, out in the foyer, uh, actually, as Vicki mentioned earlier, we have our uh, prayer map for our neighborhoods. Um, so here, here's the plan. Next week, I would like to have it done. <laughs> not, not because it's not good, but because, you know, it's, it's time. We need to celebrate this. Uh, and it's looking really good. So we're going to change up the assignment a little bit. This week, as you go, I want you to look. And if you are going to commit to play, praying for a street, and you could do it driving, you can do it walking, that's fine. But if you're going to pray for each house in that street, I want you to highlight it right now. Um, because what I've been doing with, with a couple of my kids is I've been taking that map out, and we've been praying for neighborhoods. Uh, and help and fill it in some. So after today, we're going to take it and, and our family's going to finish it this week. Does that make sense? So if you're committing to doing part of it, uh, I need you to mark it. Otherwise, they're getting double prayed for, uh, which isn't terrible, but, you know, it takes some time. So uh, go ahead and mark uh, an area. If it's not highlighted, mark that you're going to do it. Mark it already done. Uh, make your commitment right there in highlighter. And then... Uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to finish it this week. That sound good? Makes sense? All right, now receive your benediction. People of God, may our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ unify us and all believers as one church, as one body. Not for the sake of lifting ourselves up, but that we could show the world the love of Christ and that we could point others to the way of life everlasting. Now as you go, go as Christ's ambassadors into a world that desperately needs him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.